Hello there. My name is Sue Hill and this is Sherborne Voices podcast for Wednesday the 16th of June 2021. Now if you haven't heard us before we are a very new podcast bringing information and items of local interest to Sherborne and the surrounding villages on a weekly basis currently. We would love you to get involved if you'd like to volunteer to get involved or you would like to contribute an item. We'd be very pleased to hear from you. You can email me, sue, at sherbournevoicespodcast.com and I'll get back to you. In today's show... I have an interview with Judy Easdale about beekeeping. I have a couple of local opportunities and a couple of events in the local area and an interview with a local shopkeeper who's also a writer and painter. We hear a lot these days about how important it is for us to protect bees and uh, look after them if we possibly can. And when I discovered that Sherborne has a beekeeping association, I thought it would be a good idea to get some more information. So I spoke to Judy Easdale, who's the secretary of the Sherborne Beekeeping Association, and she had lots to tell me. Hello, Judy. Thank you for joining me on Sherborne Voices podcast today. Now, I think you're the secretary of the Sherborne Beekeepers Association. Tell us about the association and how long it's been going. Hello, Sue. Yes, I am the secretary of the Sherborne Beekeeping Association. It has been going for a number of years, started after the war, or it was rekindled after the war. But it's a long time ago, 70s or so, that it it started again and it's been consistently going since then. It's part of the British Beekeeping Association. When you take out membership with the Sherborne Beekeeping Association, you automatically get a membership of the British Beekeeping Association. The association is reasonably active. I mean, we have about 50 to 60 members, which is relatively small for Dorset. Tell me how people can become involved in the association, Judy. And when you say you're fairly active, give us some examples, can you, of, of what you're, you're doing? So the, the way in which people can become involved is uh, go to the website, which is www.sherbornbees.org and send us a message. For £12.50, you can become a member of the association. We have an apiary, not many associations do, but we have an apiary in Lewiston with currently four hives, which is a teaching apiary, and any of our members can come. It's generally a Saturday afternoon. You know, there are ad hoc days. We would email a message out to members and learners to say, oh, we're going to be opening up the hives if you'd like to be there. So people can get hands-on experience of bees, what a queen looks like, what a drone looks like, what a worker looks like, what they do, you know, their role in the hive, how we manage them, 
the opening of the um, the hives are generally only, well, it is only in the summer. In the winter, the bees are all huddled in a, um, a clump protecting the queen and keeping them and her warm. If you did open a hive, which you shouldn't, you would just see workers and the queen because there are no drones at that time. Drones require attention and the workers have got enough work to do so they just kick them out end of the autumn when there's no mating to be done. For the last four years, we have held a course or offered a, an introduction to beekeeping course. In March, six-week course, so that it takes you to April, and then uh, we offer three, week, three weeks of hands-on experience. Um, and then hopefully you'll join, and then you can have the whole summer with us learning further about you know, having more um, hands-on practical experience or getting your own bees, you know, and we do help the learners and new beekeepers set up their hives, you know, where the optimum place is to house a, a colony in a garden, and we try and find them some bees. It's not always possible because the weather is erratic. Like this year, we've had a, a poor start to the year. It was cold for a very long time. April was as dry as a bone, so although plants were offering up pollen, there was no nectar to be had, and it was too cold and windy for the bees to fly anyway. So they were eating what food they, what stores they had. And it is common that, well, that beekeepers suffer losses, colony losses, in March, April, because that is a time when not much is out, there's not a, a great deal out, and they're starting to work, and they need feeding. I lost a, a colony one year, which was um, really surprising because the brood box was heavy with honey, but it was ivy honey, which sets very hard, rather like rape honey. And it's only when it gets hotter, the bees can eat it and crystallise too hard. That's fascinating. I mean, I know nothing about bees. Wonderful that you run these courses uh, for people to, to learn about beekeeping. Could you tell us, Judy, what we can do to help bees in our gardens and protect them because we're all becoming aware of, of how important it is for us all to look after our bees? The general population can care for bees by planting wisely. I'm sure you've all heard that the flowers that are most accessible to bees are flowers like daisies. They've got a composite flower head. Uh, in fact, daisies are hundreds and hundreds of little flowers within a stalk. The face is full of tiny little little flowers offering a pollen. And it's very easy for the bees to access that. Uh, roses that are single-petaled, you know, it's not a double petal where the uh, the stamen and the, the stigma and the stamen is hidden. Any of the umbellifers like wild carrot and ammi and orlea, all of those simple flowers are really good to have in your garden. And please do not use any insecticides. I mean, as part of saving the bee population, it's saving the whole environment by not using slug pellets and insecticides or pesticides or herbicides, you know, things that kill weed. It all is, is really important for the furtherance of general biodiversity. And, and bees are one of those um, really important pollinators. If there weren't bees, 70% of our food would not be pollinated. Some things are pollinated by wind, 
like sweet corn and the grasses, you know, barley and oats and things. But a lot of a lot of things are pollinated by little bees, whether they're solitary bees or honeybees. Um, and plant trees, if you can, in your garden, um, because it's amazing how much bees rely, honeybees particularly, rely on uh, tree pollen. It's really very important. So if there's a space in your garden that you don't know what to do with, plant a tree. There will be a tree suitable. You know, they, they don't all grow um, 50 foot high. Some of them grow five five foot or so, um, and try and think of that. Cosmos is is one of the simple flowers. Cosmos is so pretty; it's uh, it's a breath of summer, and so uh, that's one of the ideal plants to plant. How did you become interested in beekeeping in the first place, Judy? I became in, interested in beekeeping by accident, really. Quite a lot of things happen by accident. I was living in the Thames Valley and had an allotment. And there was a, a Danish lady who was on the allotment as well. And she had a couple of beehives. And she got me to put on a suit and some gloves and go and have a look. And she helped, asked me for help extracting honey. And one thing led to another. And a couple of years later, I moved to a property that had a high wall around it. So it was suitable to keep bees. It was still an urban environment, but it was suitable for a hive and I did my course through the the Reading uh, Beekeeping Association and they helped me with a swarm and I I made as many mistakes as a beekeeper could I think but I didn't I didn't have a mentor or I didn't have an active mentor he was too busy working um, and that is a thing that we offer or we try to offer in Sherborne is uh, mentorship. Quite important when you start out, you're quite nervous about, particularly about killing the queen. So it's handy to have somebody who was is there and can say, no, okay, I wouldn't do it like that. I would do it like this. And it's really important when looking at a colony that you're calm and and quiet and that your 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 rhythms your your rhythms are in tune with the bees uh, you should never look at a hive if you're in a hurry always need to be slow and deliberate no jolting good good idea to talk to them they respond quite well if you tell them what you're doing there's an old um, wives tale uh, about beekeepers who if they suffered a bereavement in the family they go and tell the bees now i don't know where that came from but uh, you know it's still i still hear it from time to time so you need to be really cool, calm and collected. When I moved down to Dorset, I've got a two and a half acre small holding and it was just ideal for keeping bees. And I joined the Sherborne Association and, and, and got some help and picked up some confidence. And um, yeah, I'm, I'd say I'm a confident beekeeper now. I don't know everything, but I don't think anyone does. You know, every day is a, is a school day, as they say. And every beekeeper, or a lot of beekeepers, have quite different ideas about how to manage their colonies. And nothing's wrong, providing it works for you. You know, um, uh, that's why we encourage new beekeepers or even our, our older members to come along to the apiary because if they hear more than one person's idea or concept of, of beekeeping, Keeping, they can formulate their own ideas to something that suits them. I've been keeping bees 
for nine years uh, now, on and off, because uh, there was a, a hiatus while I moved and got myself settled down here. But it is a, an endlessly fascinating hobby, and to see your bees going in and out of their hive, busily about their daily work, is, is one of life's real joys, real pleasures. Judy Easdale there, from Sherborne Beekeeping Association. I was talking to her last week and I learned so much in just that short interview. And I've gone out and bought some Cosmos seeds because when I looked it up, I found that you can plant them in June and even into July. So I thought, right, strike while the iron's hot. And talking of bees, Sherborne Area Community Kindness has been asked to help with making a small garden at the Grove Surgery in Sherborne to create a restful space for the staff in their breaks and give patients in the waiting room something rather nicer to look at. Well, that's a nice idea. So they're clearing overgrown borders and establishing what they're going to put in there and they want to make it as bee-friendly and wildlife-friendly as possible. And they would like volunteers to get involved because it's gardening is good for your health and it's a sociable activity as well in this kind of situation. So if you'd like to be part of this development of a small garden at the Grove Surgery, you need to email vicky.moreland at dorsetgp.nhs.uk. And a friend in Italy sent me a fabulous picture, which is today's episode picture. When you listen to this, you'll be able to see the picture as well. It's a picture of beautiful wildflowers, or at least bee and wildlife-friendly flowers. And he tells me that in Denmark, landowners, if you have a large amount of land, you're obliged by law to cultivate 5% of the land with flowers for bees. That seems like a very good idea. And the picture is lovely. It shows this wide carpet of flowers at the edge of each field. I'm getting into bees. This has quite inspired me. I've been wondering for a while when the Sherborne Health Walks were going to be starting up again. And lo and behold, social media told me that they'd started in April. So I've missed a few weeks. But I went last week. The walks start at two o'clock. They get together in Paddock Gardens look for the person or persons wearing high-vis jackets. And it's a different walk each week. The walk's for about an hour and it's very friendly. You can have good chat on the way and you're getting a bit of exercise at the same time. Can't be bad. This coming Sunday, the 20th of June, we have another of the monthly Sherborne markets. It runs from 10 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. And there's local artisans, producers, food and drink. And if the weather's good, then it's rather nice to have a wander around and see what's there. One of the joys of doing this podcast is meeting all sorts of interesting people and sometimes quite unexpectedly. I went down to buy some thread the other day, which ended up by giving me another bit of local colour in Sherbourne. So I'm sitting here in the Green Door Emporium uh, down by the station in Sherborne and it's a real treasure trove of lovely things as well as all the haberdashery and knitting walls. There's all manner of goodies. So Josie is the owner here and Josie tell us how you got to be here and how long you've been here. 
it, it could start to be a long story. Alan and I had a market stall for a long time doing uh, the knitting yarn and haberdashery. And then one day, Nigel Hill at the garage said, there's a building going to be empty. Do you fancy parking yourselves in there? Uh, we had a chat with a very nice landlord. And before we knew it, Green Door Trading was on the way. Alan, my husband, built all the shop frame around the front. Uh, his measuring skills are superb. Uh, we just did the place out a bit and here we are. It was a slow start, but nearly six years on. We have a lovely customer base and the place is full of the most strange and extraordinary things, including yarn and haberdashery. <laughs> Do people bring you things that you then sell or do you go out and look for items? No, we tend to go quite a long way out for items. Uh, don't do a huge amount locally. We like to bring fresh things into the area that haven't been seen before. But maybe if a house is being sold up, if an elderly relative may be going um, into a residential home. Sometimes families want to clear out the odd um, cupboard or wardrobe, chest of drawers. Then if it's what we think we can move on, we might buy that, but preferably as well from people that we've got to know over the last few years. We have been to auctions quite often in the past but with all the covid lockdowns that's been a bit of a no and we don't tend to buy what i call blind we have to see what we're buying we don't just buy on the hope that when we get it home it's going to be okay do you have things that you specialize in that you have a special interest in yes i'm, I'm quite fond of painting the furniture that <laughs> that's sort of perhaps 1970s 80s it's a bit past its sell-by date to look at from the brown wood point of View. and rather than throwing it out I get the paintbrush out and make what appears dull bright modern and usable again and because our prices are quite sensible they're ideal for a young family or a modern home I'm very keen on glass we don't have a huge amount in at the moment. I collect things that hopefully that have come from other parts of the world as well and that really is a knack of perhaps going to a market, big fair, something like that, and then just finding something that catches the eye. And Alan is also very good at, hey, look at that, I like that, and bringing things in. Um, he deals in trains and all the paraphernalia that goes with trains, all the little buildings that go round track mm. and that sort of thing. So between us, we've got quite an eclectic, um, mix of things mm. and you paint as an artist as well is that right yes i do um oil on canvas i've tried acrylic but i find that i'm pretty hopeless at that but yeah oil on canvas i can spend hours doing that um and i've managed to sell a few this last couple of years as well so i'm mm. quite pleased about that yes um not very good at watercolors but i have i have tried and you're creative in the way of writing, I hear. The, the first book is called Bag of Dolls. It sounds sweet and nice, but be assured it is not. Oh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a suspense thriller thing. Um, partly based in truth, but I've added a real turnaround of events to create a story. Make people aware, make them think. Um, about perhaps what's going on around the country, around the world. The second book is The Repeat. 
that is steeped in truth as also again it sounds just a very tame title but it comes about by seeing something on the television and I thought for goodness sake what happens to these people when they go home they've been splashed all over TV and maybe since that show has been repeated maybe their life has changed for the better maybe all is fantastic maybe they're married maybe they've got a family or maybe they've got a great career and suddenly this TV program explodes back into into their life um, sort of 15 20 years later on a repeat and where can we get these books Josie uh, they can be bought via her, the big store, Amazon, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or from the publisher's direct, Austin McCauley. Um, there's quite a few eBay sellers have got it around the UK, but on the internet, it is around the world. Mm. Both of them, um, but especially the repeat, that seems to be selling quite a few in the States. Right. It's all about a second chance. Yeah, yeah. It's about change and that people have to be given a second chance, maybe even a third one, because none of us are perfect. And at Mm. some point in life, somebody has to give that person a second chance. And really, uh, one of the sellers in the States actually advertised it as that. Ah, interesting. And have you always written, um, I mean, as as a child, as yes. a young person? Yeah, as a young person. There was a lot of years where I didn't. That was just circumstances and working hard mm. and, and not having the time. They say all writers, if you really want to write, you will make the time. Well, sorry folks, it doesn't always work like that. <laughs> you, you really have to be settled in your head as well yep. to be able to be able to sit down for many hours, many, many hours. I handwrite. Both books were written by hand four times. And have you uh, have you got any more in the pipeline? Yes, I have. The third book is a continuation because the bag of dolls and the repeat are quite small. They're like a novella. Mm-hmm. They're under a hundred pages. And the the new one, I haven't even given it a title yet because I have two titles in my head, and it's as though I have masses of notes on two subjects which I am planning or being well to bring together (laughs) but ideally it will be a continuation of the last one the repeat Mm. it will pick up where the repeat ended oh that'd be interesting yes yes yeah that'd be good (laughs) well I wish you all the best for that and I shall look forward to hearing maybe you can come back and tell us when it's published it will be a long time because i've got i've got a lot of work to do mm. and i have had a little break from writing so it will certainly be towards the middle of next year hopefully mm. well let us know anyway. i will okay. say thank you thanks very much for joining me on sherborne voices podcast thank you for letting me chat well we've come to the end of this week's podcast My thanks to my guests, Judy Eastdale from Sherborne Beekeeping Association and Josie Wells from the Green Door Trading Emporium in Sherborne. Next week, I'll be talking to a local potter and I went on one of the historic walks around Sherborne uh, with the company called Sherborne Walks, funnily enough, and that was a real eye-opener. It was just fabulous, and I will have a few bits of information and comments from that for you next week to perhaps whet your appetite and encourage you to go on one of these walks now that they've started back up again. 
and I'm sure there will be more what's-ons and items of local interest to add into the mix. My name's Sue Hill. I've brought you this week's episode of Sherborne Voices podcast, and if you would like to contribute an item to the podcast, do get in touch, sue at sherbornevoicespodcast.com and please follow us on Facebook and Twitter and have a look at our website where you'll find past episodes as well. Till next week, thanks for joining me. Bye for now.